and then just pray for Peter as he speaks. Um, Lord, we thank you for this prayer written by Paul and this prayer which searches the depths of your heart, which burns for us. And Lord, I pray that you will be with Peter now as he unpacks this passage for us and uh, helps us understand more about what it is to pray as uh, you taught your disciples, Lord Jesus, and as Paul taught the church in Ephesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Peter, over to you. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. Okay, good morning, everybody. Uh, here we are in part two of our little three-part series on prayer. Um, last week, Ian was talking to us about praying in the spirit and um, really sharing about the simplicity of of just praying as the spirit moves you, whenever the spirit moves you, however the spirit moves you, um, not stepping ahead to pray all your good ideas with, and to bring your shopping list to God, but to let the Holy Spirit speak softly and simply to you and then trusting that God will do those things to pray those things. Um, this this week, I am uh, going to yeah, be talking about this prayer, but also... Um, kind of around this prayer as well as unpacking what's in this prayer um and and then next week you've got sam to to finish giving you everything you need to know about prayer so if i don't manage to give you the the secret you've been hoping for to 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 bring true power and glory to your prayer life don't worry captain sam has got it sorted next week so um so make sure you tune in for that right um, okay, so so before before we actually dive into the prayer and start unpacking what's what's in it, I, I want to kind of talk around it in a sense. And and um, Emma's already given us some of the context in Ephesians, zooming back to to see the rest of the chapter that Paul's talking about who he is and and praying for the Ephesians because he doesn't want them to lose heart because he's suffering for them. Paul is in prison. He's in prison in Rome. Um, this might be his second imprisonment or his first imprisonment in Rome. It's, it's hard to piece all the pieces together, but he's almost certainly very near the end of his life. And, and in a sense, this, this is like his, his last will and testament, his final message to the church. All the things that he was hoping he would have the chance to say that he's not sure whether he'll have the chance to say again in person, and so he's getting them out on paper. Um, and, and this is what we've got, the whole of Ephesians. I'd, I'd encourage you to go away and, and read the whole of it this afternoon. It won't take you that long. But, um, but if you're not able to, I'll, I'll try and, and, and quickly skim over. Um, because this central piece um, is, is possibly my favorite piece of the whole of it. But the whole thing is, is this incredible powerful pouring out of Paul's heart for the church in Ephesus specifically but also in a way that applies to all of us in all of the church and and in some ways the the epistle to the Ephesians is the most general because most of Paul's other letters to churches are written in response to specific problems so the Galatians he hears that they're forsaking the simplicity of the gospel and so he thinks oh my goodness I've got to write to them right now to tell them what the gospel is. To the Corinthians, he hears that they're fighting among each other. And so he thinks, oh my goodness, I need to write to them right now. Um, to the Philippians, they're being led astray by 
false so-called spiritual teachers who say they need to embrace a lot of complicated spiritual disciplines. And so he's quickly writing to them, but to Ephesians, he's, he's got a bit more time to relax. There's not an urgent emergency. He's in prison. He's got all the time in the world. And, and, and he starts writing to them. And, and the letter actually is full of prayers. It starts with a blessing in which he says, blessed be God and blessed be you. And it starts with him telling the Ephesian church about how they're seated with Christ in heavenly places. And actually the first thing that I want to, to that struck my eye in, in looking at Ephesians 3, um, but then also spreading out to the rest of the Ephesians, is the bodily, physical nature of Paul's language about prayer. In Ephesians 3, he gets down on his knees to bow his knees before the Father. Um, but, but in Ephesians uh, 2, he's been talking about how the Ephesians, he wants them to know that they're seated with Christ, enthroned with Christ in heavenly places. And so, and so there's this sitting position of prayer to know that you're seated, you are enthroned. You are not just coming to God um, to, to ask for things, but before any of that happens, God himself has picked you up and seated you on a throne, on, on, on the Father's lap with Christ the Son. You two are there. And it's from that position that then we're then able to get down and bow our knees before the Father and ask in confidence. And then, and then by the end of Ephesians, excuse me as I get up and, and stand up and down, by the end he's standing up and he's telling the church to stand against the enemy and to stand in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so one thought perhaps for us is, is to embrace these different positions as we pray. Um, maybe you're in a rut because you come to try and pray and, and you were taught that when you pray, hands have to be pointing skywards, eyes have to be squinting shut, but just enough open that you can see if the, what the person next to you is doing. Um, and maybe see that Bible verse that you've highlighted in yellow. Or, um, but don't move too much. Um, we don't want to look Muslim by getting down on our faces. We don't want to look Hindu by... Uh, sitting too flexibly in a, a, a cross-legged on the floor we don't want to well but but I'm saying this is what we're told but I, I, I want to encourage you actually feel free get down on your face get down on the floor um if if that's what you want to express before the Lord or leap to your feet and put your hands in the air because actually there there is something we we are physical beings not just disembodied souls floating through a ghostly world but God has given us bodies and so when we put our hands up in the air and we make a loud joyful noise actually we begin to feel different than when we than when we bow down on our knees and there's a place for that as well bowing represents submission I was thinking in our culture a person bows when they're going to be knighted before the the, the queen they get on their knees and there's something about that here God is giving us this great privilege of going forth in his name and in his power. And so we want to receive that so that we can then go out into the world as knights in shining armor. Um, and then there's the other, the other place we find people bowing is when on one knee, a man gets down on one knee to ask a woman to marry him. And there's, there's something here about we know, like the man asking the woman, he no one does that if they're not fairly confident that the woman is going to say yes. You don't sort of see 
when you're a single man, a beautiful woman across the room and think, quick, I'm going to rush out and buy an engagement ring now. That'll wing her heart. No, 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 no. That's ridiculous. You go when you're confident that you've already won the heart of that most beautiful woman that you can imagine ever finding in your life. And then having spent your year's wages or whatever it is you're expected to spend on, on the most beautiful ring that your money can buy, you then go and you take her out to uh you know the most beautiful place you can imagine um and and then you propose confident that she's going to say yes and hopefully hopefully all these things come together and with god we have that same confidence as we kneel before him that that he loves us um and yeah anyway so um pray with your body kneel down if um yeah as as to express that submission to god but but maybe just sit down to express that fact that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places or stand and get moving to help engage your spirit in the battle of the enemy. I don't know which it is that you struggle with, but, but maybe this week, um, maybe the challenge for you is to try praying in a different way than you usually do. Get out of that, that standard rut that maybe you're in and, and try praying in the way that you, you maybe you thought, oh, I love how they pray, but I'm not sure I could do that. Well, you can go for it. Okay, so pray with your body. The second thing I want to say is pray with the Bible. And in um, preaching from this passage, which is a prayer, I want you to encourage you to take this passage specifically, but also to find other passages in the Bible um, that you can pray from. And in fact, the whole Bible. 2 Timothy 3.16 says all scripture is God-breathed. And at the start of 2 Corinthians, Paul says that in Christ, every promise is yes and amen. So go search your scriptures, mine it for promises that God makes to, to his people. And you might think, oh, well, I'm not quite sure about the application of that. And there's a place for wrestling with the application. But there's also a place for just in simple faith saying in Jesus name. I ask, Father God, because you love me, would you give me that same promise that you gave that person? Ian last week was talking about Hannah as an example of a woman praying like like in childbirth. Well, not quite in childbirth yet, but praying for that child. Um, and he suggested that maybe Hannah had heard God's voice directly. My thought on that is actually I think Hannah had heard the testimony of Samson's mother because God had sent an angel to Samson's mother and said, I'm going to give you a supernatural baby. He has to be a Nazarite. I suggest, and you know, you can think about this. It might not, it might be wrong, but I suggest that Hannah had heard that testimony. And the reason she said, I'll make my son a Nazarite is she was kind of saying, okay, if I'm going to put myself in that position of that other person in the Bible story, um, then, then I suppose my son has to be a Nazarite. Okay, God, whatever it costs, I will do it. And that's the, the kind of holy transaction we make as we read the scripture. We see these people, ordinary people with amazing stories because God touched their lives. And we say to God, I want that promise. And then we realize, oh, if I'm going to have that promise, it's also going to cost me what it costs people in scripture, which is reputation and suffering and who knows what else. But it's worth it. And so so we say, yes, God, I want that. And um yeah, so, so, so pray the Bible. This, like Ephesians 6 says, Paul, at the end of this letter, he says the Bible is the sword of the spirit, the word of God. So if you're battling against the enemy, you don't want to come defenseless against 
the enemy with all his weaponry, but we come with the shield of faith and with the sword of the spirit. And although I, I absolutely agree with what Ian was saying about pray as the spirit leads, don't come under condemnation because you failed to have your quiet time yesterday or whenever it was. But also I want to encourage us while, while affirming the, the spirit ledness of prayer and, and absolutely the freedom from condemnation, also to ask how can we develop those disciplined rhythms in which we begin training ourselves to get stronger in the spirit and in our understanding of God, what God would have us pray. And one way is to have that regular time of reading the Bible and then turning it into prayers. Um, and so it's particularly easy when you find a prayer in the Bible because in one go, you can get your Bible reading and your prayer all done at the same time. Just just read these seven verses from Ephesians 14 to 21, uh, eight verses, whatever it is. And and there you go. You read it out loud. You're done. Or even in your heart. You know, God hears you however loud or quietly you pray. Um, it might it might be a bit more challenging when you get uh, some of the Old Testament laws in Leviticus and Numbers to work out how to turn those things into prayer. But nevertheless, if you've practiced with these simple apostolic prayers in the New Testament, then maybe the Psalms, and then and then you learn, actually, God hears me, whatever I say. And, and part of the physical thing is even when we pray in tongues, we pray confident that, that God knows us. And sometimes it's just helpful to make a noise to help get ourselves started so that we get out of our western uh very intellectual heads where we're so worried about what we might say that we don't dare say anything um and it's helpful to know that we can just make a noise and god hears us but prayer is wonderful because it gives us those words that we can take to god and we know that these are prayers that that god definitely um is happy for us to pray although he loves to hear whatever we have to say these are the prayers that god has given us um to help teach us how to pray and 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 some of us might have come from traditions where praying the same thing again and again um, feels dead, liturgical. We don't want that. Um, and and absolutely, like there's there's freedom. We don't have to pray the right words all the time. But also, I think sometimes uh, the endless search for novelty uh, is a heavy burden that we don't have to carry. Jesus said to his disciples um, when they were asking him how to pray, he said, "When you pray." say this and he gave them the words of the lord's prayer and i think actually it's okay to say the words of the lord's prayer without worrying do i feel like i'm praying have i translated this into my own words you don't have to feel like that all the time on the other hand if you've only ever prayed the words of the lord's prayer without turning it into your own words and your own heart cry well absolutely do that um but it's 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 both let's let's practice these disciplines of taking the words of god as they are and reading them and and having confidence that God has heard them. But let's also make them our own and saturate them so, so that then when we do speak, our words have the, the shape and the texture of biblical language. OK, so pray with your body, pray with the Bible, pray also with the people of God. And who are the people of God? Well, we are the people of God, but before there were ever human people, the people of God were the people of the Trinity, the persons, eternal in nature, and yet one, different as persons. And um, so God is Father, and he's Son, and he's Holy Spirit. And 
in this prayer, we see that in a really specific way. Paul says he bows before the father who's a good father. And we come to him knowing that he desires to give his children good gifts. But Paul asks through the spirit that we would be strengthened with power so that Christ would dwell in our hearts. And so so prayer is this Trinitarian activity. It's not it's not just us on our own wondering if there's anyone out there like that atheist in the airplane in the 24-7 video that Sam showed us last week. Oh, my goodness. This could be the end. And I'm not quite sure if my uh, thought that there's no God is real. So I'm just going to check just in case. And, and that's fine. If that's where you're at, then then try praying. But but as you try praying, particularly in the name of Jesus, God will come and he will touch you. And it'll be like that other bit in that 24-7 prayer video where um, the, the guy's just sitting bored on his sofa in a gray room. And suddenly the hand of God reaches out like a weird technicolor version of, of the classic Michelangelo picture of God reaching out to touch Adam. And suddenly, whoom, everything transforms into technicolor. And when God touches us through the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ comes and dwells in our heart, raises us out from the abyss, out from darkness into glorious new life. And and actually, this is my testimony. When I was a student, I was um, in my second year really struggling with the work I was doing and also not really sure what on earth I should be doing after I'd finished my degree and why on earth I should even bother. And I was invited to a, actually a 24-7 prayer room and me and a few others began to pray together. And I discovered a freedom and a joy and um, literally, it changed my life in that I changed from doing maths as my degree to doing theology. And, um, and well, I, I almost certainly wouldn't be in Liverpool now if God hadn't taken us on the route that he's taken us. Although now he's taken me back to, to university and I'm attempting to, to learn a little bit about geography um, and, and do a PhD in that. But that, that's a whole other story. Um, whatever your situation is reach however lonely you might feel you are not alone there is a god who loves you he is a good father and he is present everywhere through his holy spirit and he came in history in the person of jesus who didn't just die but rose again and now if you call on his name he will come he will dwell in your heart through faith and it's amazing. It is true. If you haven't tasted the reality of that, then you can pray right now. Please, God, could I just have a little bit of that thing that Peter seems to be talking about that I don't really understand? On the other hand, probably if you're if you're here with us on Zoom, you, you probably know about this. But nevertheless, I want to encourage you to remind you God is real. He is there. Um, but also the people of God include us as saints. And and Paul says here that he prays that we would know together with all the saints the love of God. And he prays that um, God would be given glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. And so on the one hand, if you don't have any other physical people with you, you can still have the Holy Spirit with you and, and, and the Father and the Son and all the glorious uh, community of the Holy Spirit um, with you. But on the other hand, we also have each other. And even in the midst of lockdown, I think as a church, we've done amazingly at, at keeping 
in touch with Zoom and using the tools of technology and um, and, and to continuing to maintain this community with each other. I, I know for some of you, you might be um, very isolated living on your own or, or just with your spouse. For me, in our house, we've had three little children running around. So I kind of feel like our lockdown has, has been filled with community. Um, but, but whatever your situation is, uh, we as church, we, we w- want to, to be that community of people that demonstrates the reality of the divine community of the Holy Trinity. And although I, I think we're doing quite well, there, there are higher heights that we can aim for. So, so let's, on the one hand, be encouraged by where, what God has done in us, but press on towards the fullness. Um, so pray with your body, pray with the Bible, pray with the people of the Trinity and of God, and then pray with love. This is the central thing in this prayer, isn't it? That we would know the height and the depth and the breadth and the length to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. And the the glorious thing is that this isn't a love that we have to bring, like maybe you might need to bring your own Bible. Um, Although, of course, the word of God has been given by God, but get hold of your own Bible and scribble on it, highlight it, or keep it clean if that helps you pray. But, But God's love is his gift to us. And um, I love all the dimensions of of the the love here. Um, the the image I was thinking about thinking about um, dimensionality is when I was a kid. Um, I used to play Super Mario on a little little Game Boy, and uh, Super Mario, um, you know, is is just a, a little Italian plumber um, in a Japanese video game for some reason. And um, the original Super Mario, very simple, you just keep him running from left to right. And if there's a baddie, you jump over him, maybe jump on its head and maybe you'll succeed in um, defeating that baddie. And then you can collect the coin. And basically, basically it's one dimension. You're going from left to right. There's a little bit of up and down to make sure you avoid the, um, the little bomb coming towards you or the little fuzzy gremlin or whatever it is, or the, um, or the, the, the deadly piranha plant that might try and eat you. But basically, it's a single dimension, left to right. That's the classic original Super Mario. But then, when I was uh, about 12 for Christmas, I got a Nintendo 64. And using the power of 64-bit computing, they, were mani- they, they created a whole new set of dimensions for Mario. And so instead of running in a very limited 2D universe with a tiny bit of up and down, but mostly just from left to right, and no going back, of course, um now you were in a 3d universe and you could jump up you could turn to the left you could turn to the right you could run forward you could run backwards and if you got the right power up you could even fly you were unlimited until you hit the the invisible glass edge of the level and you would just sort of bounce off as you were trying to fly through the sky but nevertheless there was this incredible freedom as, as suddenly a whole new set of dimensions in the world of Mario were revealed. Um, and it's like that with God's love. In the Old Testament, God was doing quite a, a simple, somewhat limited thing. Nevertheless, he was the same God and he loved his people and he was bringing them through, uh, helping them defeat their enemies and, and inherit his promises. 
But now with the new covenant, Christ has opened up a whole new set of dimensions for us to experience his love in. We're no longer bound in two dimensions, but but now there's there's this whole multi-dimensional experience of God's love, height and depth and breadth and length. And so you might feel trapped in your house, feeling like I've been looking at these same walls for the last year and more. And oh, I was excited when Sam said we'd be meeting as a church again in person, but then he said there would just be 12. And oh, I don't know if I'm going to be counted as one of those 12 privileged disciples on the on the list. But but I want to say, even as you look at those walls, think about the dimensions of God surrounding you. So Okay, first look, look down at the floor and think about the depth of the love of God, because I I don't think there's just arbitrary dimensions that Paul is naming. But I think when he talks about the depth of God's love, I imagine Paul thinking of the, the depths that Christ came down to for us. In Philippians, Paul says that Christ, he was in very nature God. Yet he did not consider that something to be clung on to, but he came down all the way from the glories of of being God to the humility of being a poor human being and then a poor despised human being nailed to a cross. And then a poor despised human being nailed to a cross who died for our sins and descended into hell to, to reclaim the keys of hell, to set us all free. But so as you look at the floor that maybe for a whole year you've been wandering around on this floor thinking if only I could get out onto the grass or the and and I'm sure you've been going out occasionally to take your daily exercise or whatever but you're probably still sick of the sight of your carpet as you look down think of the depth of God's love for you that Christ Jesus came to the the depths of human experience um experience the depths of God's wrath upon sin so that then we could be lifted up from the depths to the heights of heaven. And now the reality is no matter how you feel, the reality in the spirit is that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And there is nothing that can separate you from God's love, not even your failure to have done your quiet time yesterday morning or whatever it was. God picked you up and now he has seated you higher than any other name that is named and you are there with him and consider also the length of God's love God has loved you from before the beginning of time Ephesians says he chose you now I I don't even understand all the philosophical questions that that might inspire and it might be interesting to talk about them but but God has loved you from before you knew how to talk and God will love you after everything else has happened God's love is the eternal everlasting foundation of all other reality and so you might look forward into the distance and find that well I can't look very far into the distance because there's a wall a few feet in front of you but think of the length of God's love and then looking at the other walls on either side of you think of the the breadth of God's love that God loves Jew and Gentile. He loves male and female. He loves slave and free. He loves every different grouping that you might divide the world up into. He loves all of them. And and so you never need feel that you're 
the sort of person that, that God doesn't really like so much. That's not true. Every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation will be gathered together in heaven, worshipping his name. And you specifically, he has knit together and formed and shaped for such a time as this. And there is something glorious that God wants to do with you. So be encouraged. You are in the center of God's infinite love surrounded by all the glorious dimensions of it and like me on that christmas when i got a new nintendo 64 and realized oh my goodness mario can cannot just go from side of well not even from side to side but just forward to the right forevermore but but there's a whole world of dimensions to explore i want to encourage you to dis to explore the dimensions of god's glorious love and uh, yeah, and to try doing that with your body in different ways, to do that with with the Bible and to do that with the, the people of God. Um, so I'm going to end just by reading this prayer again as a prayer for us. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, and I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you, each of you individually and all of us together, to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in our inner being that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or even imagine according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen.